You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily podcast on the Dallas Cowboys, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is Landon McCool. You can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBCB. Landon, we survived two weeks of the preseason. How are you doing today, sir? Oh, you know, better now that we've gotten some more positive medical reports. Uh, so, and, and again, positive being the outcome being positive, not the yeah, medical results being uh, positive. Sunday so, was a stressful yes. day. Sunday morning, trying it to was. just wait, scroll yeah. through your Twitter feed every every minute to try to see yeah. what happens. Um, yeah. Yeah. But such is the but, preseason. We survived, so we'll to live to, to fight another day, at least for now. Right. So we'll 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 have more of these, I'm sure. So coming up on today's show, we review the Cowboys' second preseason game, uh, and we're going to do things a little bit differently in this show. Instead of you know talking about the actual game and some of the plays that happened, uh, we're going to talk about what we learned from the game. But before we do that, uh, let's go ahead and just update everybody on the injury situations going on. Uh, as I'm sure you guys have heard, Zach Martin, no structural damage to the knee. Sounds like he has a bone bruise. The team is still confident that he is going to be ready for week one. Um, Travis Frederick is going to see some specialists over the next couple of days. It doesn't sound like it's anything ma- or major, uh, but it sounds like maybe they're trying to figure out a way to prevent these stingers from happening. But again, uh, don't expect him this week to practice. Um, but I want to talk about Zach Martin. Uh, he got injured on the second drive, or was it the third drive? I think it might have been the third drive in the Cowboys preseason game. Uh, on a play, he was just pulling uh, to the right and got a knee to the helmet. But, Landon, you actually had an interesting kind of story with Zach Martin after the game that I thought our listeners would enjoy. So go ahead and tell us about that. Uh, well, <laughs> this is kind of just more of an interesting personal note, I guess, than anything. But, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, during the whole thing, that whole just discussion, I was – Kind of going back over with my wife, who my wife is not a you know. I know some people have like you know wives and partners and and that are like uh, in the trenches with them. And they're my my, sure. my wife could not be separate more separated from what goes on with the Cowboys <laughs> than if she wanted to be. Uh, so I was kind of just recapping, like you know, oh, uh, how she was like, how the game go? And I was just like, well, it was it was fine, but you know, my favorite player got hurt, and then I you know I realized as I said it that that was that 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 was true like that that zach is my favorite player on the team now and that like it was kind of just an interesting real you know people i guess you know we all kind of experience that where you say something out loud and and at the moment you say it out loud you realize that it's true uh and then that's kind of what just what happened there is it just it was and and it it made that moment even more terrifying because it's like oh it's my favorite player who's uh, maybe out for the season but uh, thank goodness we got some positive news there because obviously uh He's a huge part of what we're trying to do this season, and you know, I, I, people want to keep talking about the bone bruise because we all have, uh, you know, Anthony Spencer, uh, James Hanna. dancing in our head. Yeah, I mean, uh, to me, both of those, uh, it, it, the injury is a hyperextension. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, even if you go back and watch the injuries, like Anthony Spencer's injury was 
terrifying. Right. Absolutely. Zach Martins was like the only reason we were freaking out is because he didn't get up afterwards and he didn't go back to the huddle. Like it wasn't like we watched some brutal knee injury or anything. Like he took a helmet to the knee. You know, like that's and it wasn't like his knee bent or weird way. And or, it didn't plant and stick Hannah, in the ground or anything like that, right? Yeah. Hannah had like had you know, knee surgery after knee surgery after knee surgery. And, like, I don't even know that, like, they're even planning any surgery for Zach Martin. So I, 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 know, I understand, like, the, the – and the other thing, too, is that, as several people have pointed out, bone bruise is, like, a kind of a made-up term. It's you know, it's like, it's, yep. like a, it's a catch-all term. Sure. Uh, and, and, they, and, and, you know, some people have implied that that's, like, a uh, – uh, uh, Applied that with negative connotation that like they're like they don't know what's going on or you know, I think the other way of putting that is that you know he's got a contusion, you know, and it's like it's so it's like there's nothing really more to put that and they don't keep mentioning the bone bruise they keep mentioning the hyperextension part of it so, so uh, to me like that's the injury is there may be a small contusion there as well but I I don't I I know I know there's a there's a there's a kind of a, a tendency to go towards the negative there but i just and it's just like the same thing with frederick you know they talked about how they're getting a second or third opinion there like i think everyone's mind went to oh is there another secret injury that like he's waiting to see if be revealed i don't think it's anything nefarious like that as much as i think it's a a, a guy who has an inflammatory based injury trying to get second or third opinions on how best to handle that kind of ongoing how to best you know do what he needs to do without having this thing flame up every once in a while now so. the cowboys had another offensive lineman i don't remember was it martin or smith that had stingers a couple years ago and they, i i'm trying to i mean i i feel like i feel like smith has dealt with them before for sure yeah like, and i feel like i feel like martin has also had stingers before stinger is really a pretty common injury like especially in the in the, in the trenches you know right um i, I think it's one of those things if if the Cowboys had a game on Sunday to play, I fully expect both of those guys to play. That's why I'm not really worried about Zach Martin being available for week one. Is I think he may be the toughest player on the team. I think you'll see him out there. Will he be 100%? Maybe not. Uh, but 90 I bet per- he will. Yeah, I mean, even I, I, 90% I, I, I of Zach it, Martin I, I, is better than any other guard in the NFL. The way he, the way they were talking today, like at the at the press conference, like it wasn't even like. Will he be back for week one? I mean, I'm pretty sure Jason Garrett said the words, he should be back soon. Like, right. almost implying that he may come back to training camp practices. Okay. So, you know, so I mean, you know you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like it's, it's, he's coming back for week one. It's more just like, wow, what a scare. Let's, let's just be careful with him kind of thing, you know? Sure. Um, and a couple other bits of news uh, before we jumped on the show. The Cowboys signed two players, defensive tackle Karan Reed. From Princeton, who I know a lot of people in the draft community liked uh, a while ago, and safety Dominic Sanders uh, to replace really a couple different players. Xavier Woods is going to be out a while with a hamstring injury. The Cowboys uh, put safety Jameel Showers on the injured reserve after tearing his ACL. Uh, they just need depth at that's those positions. Uh, Sanders is a ball hawk who you can play as a free safety. Uh, doesn't love to tackle. Um, but again, you're just trying to find guys to get you through the preseason. I know a lot of people have asked, if does this rule out George Iloka or Earl Thomas? And I, I don't think that's the case. I think Sanders and maybe even to an extent Karan Reed are just guys that are going to get you through the rest of the season. Uh, the Cowboys also today uh, waived injured 
defensive tackle Richard Ash. So that's another reason why Reed was signed. Um, I know you have some thoughts on Reed. I'll let you go ahead and get to him. Uh, well, first, I'll, let me just say about the safety. Uh, you know, I don't really know anything about him personally or wh- about his game at all. But I'll just say that as far as what how it affects, you know, uh, possible Iloka, Iloka or, or Earl Thomas trade or Iloka signing, uh, you know, I, there's that old saying, never, you know, shop while you're hungry. Sure. You know, and I think right. I think that's a, like a very much imply here is that, hey, we need a guy to get us – it just in practices right now, and if we go to these, you know, if we go to negotiate a contract with Iloka or go to negotiate a trade with Earl Thomas, while we have only you know two healthy safeties on our roster, uh, then it you know it's going to be it's going to make the job that much more difficult, you know. So I think that's so it's kind of a longer way of saying absolutely this doesn't rule out anything with either one of those guys because I, I just think you need a guy to get you through practice right now so uh as far as Karan Rigas I you know I had him uh as a late third round nose tackle so I liked him a lot I thought he had a lot of great physical tools especially for what they like in this defense uh he, he's got he's he's explosive uh, he can move for a guy his size um, I, I think he can be a handful on the move. I I, I've, I have not kept up with his career so far uh, in the NFL. I know he got drafted by the Lions, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, uh, so, but I haven't really followed it since then. I'm just hoping that you know, this is a guy that uh, you know he has he had tools in college or he had tools at one point. Uh, I'm hoping that maybe this is a guy that Rod Marinelli can kind of get something, get his career back on track. I mean, you know, if not, just a rotational body in there, you know. Uh, Reed's kind of bounced around the league a little bit. He spent two years with the Lions, then he went to the Chargers, back with the Lions, and then last year he was with the Colts and the Redskins. Uh, just hasn't found a home. I still think he's a, a good enough player to be a one technique in the NFL, but we'll see what Rod Marinelli can do over the next couple weeks. Um, when we Real get quick, Colts, yeah, Colts and the Redskins both have pretty decent depth at defensive tackle. Like that's the one thing. The one thing the Colts might have is defensive tackles. And the Redskins uh, and, and the Redskins have depth, but the they Redskins also play. Tons of them. <laughs> but they also play a three four, and I don't think that's Reed's best spot either. No, no. So there could be a lot of a lot of circumstance in his bouncing around. I mean, you don't want to make excuses, but that's that's how you find these guys, you know. Absolutely. Uh, when we come back, we will talk about what we learned from the Cowboys' second preseason game. All right, I want to talk a little bit about Michael Gallup. Uh, played in just the first three series with the first team. Uh, again, impressive. Didn't have a, a big highlight play like he had in the first week of the preseason. Uh, but Michael Gallup, two receptions. Uh, both came on third down. Both were on slants. Uh, my takeaway from this game is I think there's a really good chance that he may become Dak's favorite receiver on third down. Now, I know that Cole Beasley uh, has been missing the last couple weeks of practice. Uh, I, I know that he wasn't available. I know Zeke wasn't there. But it just seemed like when Dak needed to get a first down, that's the guy he was looking towards. Uh, Gallup beat Trey Kirkpatrick both times off the line of scrimmage in press coverage. Uh, I just love his game, and I, I'm really impressed by how far along he is in the process. Normally, these receivers, they take a couple years before they can become reliable players, especially as ex-receivers. Uh, so I'm just impressed so far. I, I'm really starting to believe that he could become – the Cowboys' number one outside receiver this year. Um, any thoughts on Michael Gallup this week? Well, yeah, I mean, I think that we, you go into the season hoping that he has several of these guys that he can rely on as, as you know, as third down, uh, 
you know, receivers, third down options. You know, I I, I think the, the the reason we've seen such a concerted effort on their part to for, you know kind of not force the ball, but really kind of work the ball at at him in, in these scenarios is because you know they need. I think they you know Dak knows he can trust Cole Beasley. Uh, I think he he knows he can probably rely on uh, Swaim because he's been there a little bit before, um, and I think that. Now he's trying to develop that same kind of you know rapport with with uh, Gallup in these games, uh, it, just to kind of add another name to that you know uh, that third down or you know ne- need to have it kind of receiver situation. So I don't know if it's necessarily that they're working him into the role of being the go to guy when they need it, or if it's just a matter of trying to add more names to that potential you know expanding list. Of guys that they uh, can rely on to make the play when when they need it, uh, and they've got single coverage. Can they can they rely on you to win and and uh, get the, get the first down touchdown, whatever it is? All right, our, my second note that I have on here that I actually didn't talk about with you pre-show, so this might be a little bit of a surprise, but um, I want to talk about Chaz Green. Um, I thought after the Atlanta game that he would bounce back um, and that after a uh, an off season where he worked with uh, a couple offensive line specialists, um, that he'd be able to get his confidence back up. Uh, but through two preseason games, I, I'm, I just don't think Chaz Green is going to make it here in Dallas. He just doesn't look like the same player that we saw in 2016. I think maybe he needs a change of scenery. Uh, and I'm, now I'm officially concerned that he's not going to have a roster spot uh, on this 2018 Dallas Cowboys team, uh, what do you think about Chaz Green so far? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's clearly been a struggle with him, and I, I, to me, it's it's all mental, it's all confidence. I mean, I think it's oh, absolutely, yeah, one hundred percent. Take it doesn't take, yeah, it doesn't take very much to see, you know to to see that because I mean, he does it perfectly fine, uh, you know, for. You know, three or four reps, and then he can't do anything right. You know, and so, and and then you just see it. You know, when his, you know, you don't just have perfect technique. You know, multiple snaps in a row, and then suddenly just forget how to do it for long stretches. Like he, it's, he doesn't have. I think the it's either you know a confidence level or it's the uh, mental endurance. You know, the the concentration level that needs to be maintained for stretches of time in order to continue because i mean i think when you're an offensive lineman it's it's you know focusing on your technique doing the executing the play and it's a play-by-play kind of grind and it's just on to the next thing and if, if he can't let go of of you know previous snaps success or failures then it's it's going to be a difficult job to do uh, and I think you know it's just you're you're right. I think it's just one of those things where I, I I you know I feel pretty strongly that he probably is not likely to make the team. I mean I think that's pretty clear. Um, but I you know, I think you know we'll see if a change of scenery can help the guy out because I you know he has the the ability. I Absolutely. mean we've seen that. Uh, I think it's it's just he can't consistently get himself you know, locked in well enough to, to execute the way he needs to. It's part of that because he just, it seems like he misses a lot of practice time and not with big injuries. It seems like there's always one or two practices out of the week where, you know, he's just not able to finish the practice because of hydration issues or little tweaks. It could, you know, the limited practice reps be an issue. 
Oh yeah, I mean absolutely. Of course, I mean it, it. You know, look if if you can't get all the work that you need, all the practice. I mean, obviously, the more practice reps you get, the more confident you're going to feel in what you're doing. The more muscle memory that you get, it becomes second nature, and and the more it becomes second nature, the 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 less you get affected by your confidence. I you know, I mean, I think it's. Uh, yeah, it's not just that confidence helps you. It's just that confidence doesn't become as much of an issue because you're. It's becomes like a, a motion that is unprompted. It's just it's what the way you do it, you know. And uh, I think for him, you know, it's 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 compounding. It's it's it, the two things are hurting each other. You know, it's it's he's not getting the practice reps, and therefore he's not feeling confident and. Uh, and then you know he's he's going out there and trying to to work extra hard, and then as he's doing that, he's he's you know becoming dehydrated and pulling stuff, and it's 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 kind of an an ugly cycle at this point, I think, for him. And and I I I just feel like you're, you're right that he's I don't know that he can recover his reputation here, you know, for what I just I think it's time probably for him to kind of try to try it someplace else to see if he can. All right, one more offensive player, and then we'll move on to the defense. Um, and I don't want to spend a, a lot of time on this because everybody and their brother and sister have had an opinion on Rico Gathers. Uh, but I, uh. I want to talk about him really quickly because I think I think this is important. Um, I don't believe that Rico Gathers should be the top, a top two tight end on the Cowboys roster right now. He's just he's just not as good of a player as uh, Blake Jarwin and Jeff Swaim. He just can't do all the blocking stuff. He's not as reliable as a route runner. But I think on Saturday night, you still got a glimpse of what he can do as a receiver. Uh, his the play that he where he plucked the pass right over top of the defender uh, was incredible. It was one of the only three explosive plays the Cowboys have had on offense uh, throughout the game. Uh, that skill set is hard to find, and I know I, I know there's a lot of people who don't trust him, and I know there's people that say that the coaches don't trust him, and maybe the players don't want him. But to find a guy with that receiving ability is so difficult to find um, but that I think you need to keep you need to keep him on the roster keep developing and him and see what happens I, I just think it's harder to find that type of player than it is uh, a Dalton Schultz who you know can be a decent blocker decent receiver um, I, again I, I don't think he needs to be an every down player but I think you can find a role for Rico that are, those are my thoughts tell me why I'm wrong Landon <laughs> Well, I just think we all just disagree on on you know the I, I I think the issue is that there's a disagreement on my part of what the actual upside is here because uh, you know because I, I I think you know you talk about his prowess as a receiver he's not really a great receiver either you know like I mean that's the thing is that he in terms he of needs nuances look- and that kind of stuff no he's not he's not a polished receiver at all yeah and and and, and like that. I mean that will. There are definitely times when that's going to be a trump card for him, and he's going to be able to win, you know, uh, here or there, you know, just despite of all that. But it's 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 not like, like I I, I don't think that he can become. I don't think he can become more than just like a part time red zone weapon as far as an offensive football player. And and that's fine. And and if and if you want to bring him onto the team as that, I can get on board with that one hundred percent. But in order for me to get on board with that, he needs to become like more 
adept at blocking so that he can be you know which he a, has a two-way player to a certain he, degree come, which he which he which he has to a certain degree and he needs to, and that needs to translate into more special teams i would agree the the the, the problem that it seems that they clearly are having with him and they've stated it is that he's having issues continually to running the plays correctly and and you know that's going to be problematic you know and i think you know it's funny because everyone talked about that everyone showed that clip where dalton schultz and, and rico ran into each other and then threw up their hands like god i wonder which one of them screwed it up schultz i mean give me a break <laughs> we we know who screwed it up like it, you know one one of them is a guy who is known who came into the league as a technician and has been playing tight end for i don't know 10 years and has run a mesh you know concept at at Stanford before and the other one is a power forward who we're trying to teach how to play football and he managed to block our tight end in a route. Hey, he blocked somebody so, though. Can't be upset I with that. I mean, yeah. So <laughs> I guess my point is, is that I'm all for making exception for talent. Like, and, and, and especially I'm all for making a roster spot for a guy who can provide a trump card. But how much? But I I need to identify how much this even is a trump card because I think that that's the thing is that we see a, a big catch here or there against uh, the other team's fourth team defensive back situation. And come on, let's let's. I mean, and a part of that is when he's going in. I understand, but but at the same time, it's it's it doesn't make what he's doing any more impressive. You know what I'm saying? Like it it just means that. There's going to be times when he's going to be able to use his natural skills and it's going to be a trump card, but he can't seem to consistently unlock those skills to use it as a trump card at will, like the way that we, I guess, all assumed that he would. Yeah, that, so it, that's it, that's where I'm at with it. Is that he, to me, the the goal? He, he's not a forty catch. Like you know, I heard uh, someone was saying that he could go some other team. You know, Nick Eatman, I think, said on the on Talking Cowboys today. He's like, well, you're gonna feel bad if he goes to some other team and catches forty passes. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I, I cannot imagine. Like, maybe I'm gonna have huge egg on my face a year from now, but I cannot imagine this guy going to someplace else and. Catching that many passes, I think it, even if he goes to another team, he'll be a uh, you know uh, occasionally used uh, specialized weapon. I just don't know he's that he's got upside for anything more than that. I don't think he'll be like a forty to fifty catch guy. I think where his value will come is I, I could see him catching six, seven touchdowns on twelve receptions. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, like I, and I'm all on all on board with him doing that. But there's also like a minimum requirements for that job that you've got to clear first, you know, like you can't just be the touchdown catch guy because honest to God, Blake Jarwin could do that job and a litany of other ones. Blake Jarwin could do 75% of that job plus a hundred percent of 12 other jobs. You know what I'm saying? Like, or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Like I, 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 you know, I, I, that's my, that's my, like this doesn't, you know, everyone wants to talk about, well, how bad it's like Blake Jarwin needs to get better at blocking, blah, 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 blah. I mean, we're not even talking about Blake Jarwin on the scale of where Rico is. Rico's off the scale down. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, that's where I think there's a, there's a disconnect is that like people think that, that, Oh, Rico's close to these other guys in this other areas and he's way above them in receiving. It's like, no, he's way below them in, in all these other categories. And he might be a little bit above some of them in receiving. Coming up, we are going to talk about the Cowboys defense, specifically Randy Gregory and Jeff Heath. So stay tuned. 
All right, I want to talk about Randy Gregory. Uh, first game back with the Cowboys, and I don't know what five hundred something days. I don't know what the the days was, but it was absolutely insane. Um, it was awesome to see him back on the football field. His first snap of the game, uh, he kind of long-armed the Bengals' left tackle, kind of disrupted Andy Dalton's uh, throw down the sideline to A.J. Green. Looks significantly bigger this year than he did uh, in 2016 when we last saw him. You can see that he put on a lot of good weight. Um, still looks as quick as ever. Um, what were your thoughts from Randy Gregory in his first game back? Well, I'd like to. The first thing is that I thought it was hilarious that his first rush was an inside power move. I thought that was so great. I love savvy. You know, like I love it because I think it's like you know everyone knows who Randy Gregory is. Here he comes out on his first snap. You know, it's like it's like it's like putting Nolan Ryan out there, like after he's been out for four or five years. It's like, and then throwing a he throws a changeup for his first pitch. You know, it's like, yeah, it's like the batter swung ten minutes ago, and the ball finally floats across the plate. And yeah, it was just like, yeah, I mean that's what it was like. You know, he 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 went inside on him, and 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 immediately, you know, I think just by pure shock, uh, the offensive tackle spot uh, part uh, got you know a little bit of pressure. Uh, I thought he looked great. I mean, you know, again, hasn't played football in two years. Um, was able to go against a starting offensive lineman in the NFL. and A really good one, kinda, too. Cordy yeah, Glenn is a really good kinda, tackle. Kind of worked him over a little bit, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, didn't get the sack. I mean, there was that one time he was definitely going to get a sack, and then they, they called uh, – uh, the false start on the defense on, yep. I mean, uh, on offense, uh, and then another time where he is he put uh, Glenn in such bad body position that I'm pretty sure that Dalton sensed that, and that's what forced that kind of errant throw on that switch release to Green, where he had gotten a step. Yeah, that uh, was two his, steps on. on that was Brown. his first one, the first snap of the game that he had. Was that his first snap? Yep. Okay, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was. Uh, are you sure that was his first one? Yeah, I that, thought it was like his second. No, that was the first. Okay, one. well, either way, either way, yeah. Like he, I think that's that's the uh, you know that's that's pretty impressive for a guy that again has just started practicing a week ago and, and for the first time in a very very long time. So I you know I have said I mean you know everyone's kind of hedging their bets now, but I have been adamant since the beginning that I think it is absolutely possible for him to do this because he is w- one of those guys like Rolando McClain, like you know uh, Josh Gordon, like you know these guys who David Irving. is just so, so yeah, I mean probably to a certain yeah. degree just so naturally talented for what they're being asked to do that you know the, your your normal level of of uh of skepticism for their ability to come off of a couch and play NFL football is not necessary is or at least is not as as necessary i i think you know he obviously they need to work into shape but i mean there are some people that are just made to do this and Randy Gregory is just made to rush the passer uh, i want to add a qu- quick couple notes if you go back and rewatch that game, watching Glenn versus Gregory was really fun because I still think Glenn is one of the top seven or eight left tackles in the league, and Gregory gave him all he could handle. Now, you could see some of the rust from Gregory. There was a spin move that was pretty sloppy that Glenn stuffed right at the line of scrimmage, um, but 
man, Gregory's cutoff is still really, really impressive. Uh, the other note that I had is that first third down of the game, that the pressure that we're talking about where he, uh, Dalton missed A.J. Green. On that play, the Cowboys had Demarcus Lawrence at left end, Tyrone Crawford and Coney Ealy inside with Randy Gregory on the outside. I think you're going to see a lot of that this year. They want to get a lot of speed uh, on their defensive line. Uh, they don't really have, right now, with their defensive tackle situation, they don't have a guy that needs to be in there in every snap. So I think they're going to mix and match some. Uh, that was really interesting. Uh, even on that play, it speed, was... It, speed, it, speed, speed, yeah. speed, speed. Even on that play, I found it really interesting that the first person off the ball was Tyrone Crawford, who actually got yep. the, the initial pressure. So just something interesting to watch. And talking about speed, uh, this is our last note for today. I want to talk about Jeff Heath. Uh, because the player that I saw on Saturday night looks absolutely nothing like the player that we've seen in the last couple of years because Jeff Heath is absolutely flying around the football football field. He looks so comfortable in his role. They brought him down in the box a couple of times and kind of used him in that Cam Chancellor role where he could run sideline to sideline. Uh, he had a play on Joe Mixon where uh, Dalton threw the ball to the flat and, and Heath just met him there at, on being the opposite side of the field. Uh, just absolutely incredible. What have you seen from Jeff Heath in camp and through two preseason games? I, I, I mean, he's Heath is definitely the, the the player in that defensive backfield or in the safeties position at least that uh, I feel the most comfortable about. I mean, I think Woods is has been good, and I think you know, unfortunately, that hamstring injury came at the risk of him. Finally, you know, not finally, but kind of finally showing that range that we knew that he had, or maybe one of the best that plays that we've seen from him in a long time as a center fielder. Yeah, yeah, as a center fielder for sure. And, uh, and I, I, that one of the best plays we've seen a safety, one of our safeties make uh, as as a, from the center field in, in a while, I think. And um, you know, I, I th- it's unfortunate, but I also think that um, you know he uh, hasn't been. Uh, standing out which i think he's been on track but i think that you know he to me uh is just evolved into a uh you know in the same way that barry church really you know evolved into the role but the difference is that heath really is a a very very good athlete too like i mean he's he's probably top five fastest players on the team um and you know has has the range to kind of make the plays like you saw against Oakland last year where he came all the way across the field and got just enough of a car to push him out of bounds to make him fumble the ball to the back of the end zone save the game and um you know i, I so i that's why i kind of feel i, I kind of feel like they're going to need to either they're going to need to bring a safety in i i, I mean that's just how i feel i i, I think if they could find safety. a way to br- a veteran, I I think they should. I, I I think if they could find a way to bring in a veteran safety, the good news here is that I feel confident about Heath playing starting at either one of those two positions. Really, like I, I think that Heath can play the back end as well. I don't know that he's uh, as much of a playmaker there as he might be at strong safety, but I feel confident that if you got a guy, a, a veteran guy who was a strong safety, if that's what you needed, a guy, uh, you you could. You could get by. I would feel better about a, a situation where Woods is my versatile third safety, and maybe even potential. And I was talking about this today. Maybe that gives him a little bit more potential to play some nickel nickel snaps as well, 
which which he did you know show some uh, an adaptability to play in the nickel. So I mean, as the nickel back, the the down the you know, nickel corner. Um, so I think that you know there's there's options there, but I think you know it all kind of centers on the idea that. Heath is a guy who's you know developed as a just athletic undrafted guy who's a special teamer to a not a liability on the defense to a guy who is actually a you know a plus player on your defense and now you look back and suddenly he's been your interception leader for like the last two maybe three seasons. I remember just a real quick story back in 2013. Uh, I there was a certain radio station in Dallas. Uh, that was interviewing Jeff Heath, and Jeff Heath said his goal was to make the Cowboys 53-man roster that year. Uh, and they kind of laughed at him, joked at him, and said, okay, good luck, kid. Uh, we'll see if that happens. And I remember that year he made the team, and then he be- kind of became a laughing stock on Twitter because of that Calvin Johnson game uh, and then the Adrian Peterson game where uh, Peterson kind of picked him up and scared, scored a, touch- a game-winning touchdown. But, you know, you look at him now and, you know, he's probably their most reliable defensive back just in terms of uh, being able to play a lot of different positions. He has value on special teams. So it's been quite a journey for Jeff Heath. It's it's and not only that, but like I think that is such a great uh, lesson on context, you know, because, you know, he got posterized by Calvin Johnson. When he was a rookie free agent starter from Saginaw Valley State, yep. Like let's 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 examine that for a second. How was, what was he even doing there? (laughs) What was he even doing sharing the same air as Calvin Johnson? You know, on the field at the same time. Like instead of like mocking the guy for uh, not being able to stop maybe the most physically gifted wide receiver in the history of the NFL, you know, you know, him and Randy Moss, as far as just physically sure, gifted absolutely. players. Uh, uh, why, why was it a, a guy who went to a, a, a college that was smaller than my high school, uh, uh, you know, now who made it on an NFL roster unable to stop him? Well, because, you know, 99% of the guys that were first round picks and free safeties probably couldn't have stopped him on that play. So right. I, I just I love that because to me I see that and and everyone's just like well this guy is terrible blah 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 and and not realizing it's quite the opposite guys like this guy has done amazing things and overcome incredible odds to get where he is uh, and, and if that guy plus you know has the physical ability to do that that's the guy you want to keep on your football team because if he can learn how to do the position that guy will run through brick walls for you and now. We've got this guy, and he's uh, physically gifted. He's good now. He's kind of finally developed into the position he's as a as a defender, as a safety. Uh, and now he's going to be ready to run through through Walsh, and you're going to see a guy who is beating Sean Lee to the a tackle for a loss. You know, uh, on a, on an instinctual play, you're going to see the kind of guy who is just constantly around the football. Who, when the ball goes up in the air uh, on a tipped pass, he's you know he's going to be there. Whether he is he's the guy that gets the interception or he's the second closest guy. Uh, it's just nice to have Jeff Heath in the backfield and, and all the ironic goat talk that went on, blah, blah, blah. It's uh, now, now it's not, it's a whole lot less ironic. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, great stuff on Heath. Uh, that's it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Landon at McCoolBCB. You can follow the show at Lockdown Cowboys and I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier and we will see you next time. <laughs> 